Welcome to Historical Fiction Unpacked. I'm your host, Allison Treat. Hello, readers, and welcome back to Historical Fiction Unpacked. If my voice sounds a little different today, it's because I'm getting over being sick, um, but I'm on the mend, and I'm thankful for that. This is episode 20 of season four, and today we're going to be talking to Rachel Fordham. But first, let me tell you all the ways that you can support the podcast. First of all, please make sure you are subscribed or following the podcast on your favorite podcatcher app, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or the many, many other possibilities. Next, if you could rate and review the podcast, that would be awesome. We have a number of great reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I would like to see even more reviews as our listenership increases. If you'd like to join our community on Facebook, you can join the Facebook group. It's called Historical Fiction Unpacked Podcast Group. Just look it up on Facebook or find it in the show notes, and you can request to join. We would be happy to have you discuss the show each week with us on there. And also, you can follow the Instagram account at Historical Fiction Unpacked. Now, if you want to go above and beyond the usual when you're supporting a podcast, Um, You may have noticed that so far, this podcast has not been monetized. We don't have ads. And in order to keep the lights on here, I have a Patreon account. You can find it at patreon.com slash Allison Treat. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T. Notice that there's only one L in Allison. That's something that people often misspell, but I'm unique in that way. So friends, we are talking today with Rachel Fordham about her book, which released Tuesday. I recorded this interview with her um, a few months ago, and we're releasing it very close to the release of her new book. It's called Where the Road Bends. And I read this book in its entirety. You guys know that I don't always do that, but I really enjoyed it. And um, I'm excited to talk to Rachel. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Rachel Fordham. Rachel, thank you for joining me again on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, last year you came on Historical Fiction Unpacked to talk about your novel, A Lady in Attendance. Today we'll be talking about your fifth book. I think it's your fifth book. It is, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Where the Road Bends, which that releases June 7th. Can you tell me about this new book? Yeah, um, this is my this is my COVID baby. I wrote this. Um, my husband is a dentist and he had just, like they kind of shut down dental offices. My kids had just been sent home from public school. They were in public school at the time. And um, and I just decided to throw myself into writing a new novel and kind of using, I don't know, kind of channeling all the craziness into writing a book. And so this is the book that came from that. And I really, I really love it. And I love it not just because I love the story, but I love that it was sort of, these were kind of my friends and stuff, these characters that got me through that strange time of life. Um, and I haven't actually yeah. told you anything about the novel yet, but <laughs> that's kind of, that's when I wrote it. And so that's what it will always remind me of. Um, but it was fun because these characters go through a lot of kind of un- uncertainty and 
you know, what should I do now? And what's going to happen with my future kind of things that we were all kind of asking ourselves to. So although it has nothing to do with COVID, it's still, it still sort of captures a little bit of that what's next in life um, feeling. So my main characters, um, my main girl character, her name's Nora. Is that her name? Suddenly I'm questioning myself. <laughs> um, but she, yes, that's she, her name. I'm, okay. I'm about 50% through, so I can, I can correct okay. you. <laughs> oh, thank you. You probably read it more recently than me. She, um, she is at the point where she's lost her parents and she has, her farm is all she has left. And in order to keep it, she's about to marry someone just for convenience to be able to keep her farm. And a couple weeks or a couple weeks, 10 days, something like that, right before the wedding, she comes across someone injured in her field and takes him in to, to kind of nurse him back to health. And that decision sort of changes the whole course of her life. And um, and it's it's fun. It's a really fun exploration of how one one bend in the road, right, can can affect a lot of things. Yeah, that's great. And I am really enjoying it. So I, I don't always get 50%. I don't always get this far in, right. in books that I read for the podcast. Yeah, it has sort of a different pacing. And I don't know, I really enjoyed writing this one. So I'm I'm hoping readers will enjoy reading it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this, the injured stranger that she finds, um, his name is Quincy. Uh-huh. He has more than just physical wounds that need healing. Can you tell us about his emotional state too? Yeah, I mean, his backstory is not really a spoiler. He, um, he was living, you know, in a different area and he was boxing for a living, but not like nothing professional or uh, classy at all. He was in the back, you know, kind of back in the alleys boxing and people would bet on him. And he was just sort of a lost soul who didn't know, have any purpose in life. Um, He kind of wanted to get away from it. Didn't really know what he wanted though. And um, he'd had a bad home life prior to to boxing, and um, he throws a fight, and that um, to try to to try to earn a lot of money off of the fight. So he was basically cheating, and he gets beat up for that, and kind of accused of that, and caught a, um, called out on that. And they throw him on a train after they beat him up and leave him, and then he ends up on her property. And it's it mm-hmm. is it's really interesting to to watch him heal from both you know, these wounds of that come from never really having a good family life, not having any goals or kind of foundation in life. And, um, and those are things that are close to my heart. You know, I'm a foster parent and I've seen, you know, kids and youth and even adults, I have a lot more compassion even for adults who seem a little bit lost. Um, because it's, it's those type of that way of living is always a product of something that happened before. And I think that with Quincy, that's the case too. And he's never really had someone who's believed in him. And I believe strongly that with the love of God and also the love of, you know, the people that he can put in our lives, we can change. And I've seen that in the kids that have been in my home. And, and so he, you know, he needs someone who's, who tells him that he can have a different life. And so throughout the course of the book, he's going to, he's going to grow and change. And I hope that it reminds everyone that we're all capable of growing and changing and the people around us are as well. Yeah. Um, So Quincy, he faces quite the predicament in this novel. And I think I'm, um, I'm getting to the point now where I'm just like kind of on the edge of my seat, like, oh, how is he, how is he going to deal with this? Um, But without giving away too much, can you tell me about the more, the moral dilemma he's got in? 
Yeah, I know. This is a hard book for me to talk about because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, But I will say that my favorite kind of conflicts to write are when, you know, good people are just stuck with this, you know, with these kind of impossible decisions and you don't know how they're going to handle it. And it's way more than just a simple conversation kind of problem. Those type of books sometimes can be frustrating for me. Um, You know, so he makes he makes some choices and I think he's. I believe he's genuinely trying to make the right choice, but he makes some choices that actually hurt people. And, you know, I think how many of we've all been there, maybe not to the extent that he is, because this is pretty, pretty serious and severe, but we all have made choices where we, we go, Oh, I didn't think it was going to work out like that. Um, And that totally, that was so vague, but I think he really, he just, um, he tries to do the right thing and then he tries to fix it in all the wrong ways. And so it's, it's, it's a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So now Nora, when he first met her at the farm, she was this innocent young woman. Mm -hmm. And then later in the novel, we discover she's become more jaded. Um, Can you elaborate on Nora's character and what shaped her? Yeah, I think I think Nora, you know, we all have our different gifts. And I think one of Nora's gifts is that she's, you know, at the beginning of the book, and I think she rediscovers it later, but she's very much an optimist. And she's trying she tries to spin things for good and keep believing and hoping. And then, you know, I think all of us face something at some point that makes us go, is the next thing really going to be good? Can I still have hope? You know, and I think she kind of meets that rock bottom where it takes her a while to realize that like there is still hope and good things um, ahead for her. Um, But yeah, she's, she definitely does not. I mean, she's, she's just, you know, she's willing to marry someone. She's trying to do all the right things. She's got, all, you know, she's trying to take in the injured man and all these things. And then life really throws her some, some vicious curves that, you know, I think can end up working for her good, but they were, they were really challenging. And I hope that, you know, it's a reminder to all of us too. Obviously I really didn't write this book to have it have huge moral lessons in it, but I think that there are some in there. That we all, you know, there's yeah, hope even after, even after painful, hard things. Right. So um, other than, you know, finding friends to spend time with during COVID, what was your inspiration for writing this novel? Yeah. So it kind of started in a couple of places, I think. Um, well, one of them is sometimes when I'm trying to like spark ideas, I will look at, you know, like old classics or something and just kind of think about what the what the journey of was for those characters and then, you know, see if it sparks any inspiration for me. And so I was thinking about the book Les Mis where um, our main character just, you know, one decision that someone makes changes the whole course of his life. Um, And so I I said, Oh, could I write a book where someone's life is sort of changed in an instant um, because of one act of kindness or one, um, one change in fortune type of thing. And so that was sort of what got my wills turning. And then I was trying to think, well, what in the 1800s could, could result in someone's life changing really drastically overnight. And I was reading about how people used to travel like on trains or in stagecoaches, and they would sometimes like sew money into their clothing. And I thought, oh, how fun would it be if my character like found, you know, like 
from uh, a peddler or something bought like some old clothes and ended up having money in it. And I I didn't actually go with that idea at all. But that was what led me from one step to the next to actually coming to this storyline with its sort of change of fortune. Um, But those so those were kind of the trigger things. And then I started writing it and I didn't end up I didn't end up fully utilizing, um, you know, like the money sewed into clothes or anything. But those were the catalysts that got me thinking, how could someone's life change overnight? What would the consequences of that be? Um, And then suddenly where the road bends was born. (laughs) That's awesome. It's so interesting how different things can just trigger ideas in us and and lead us down a different road. Right. Yeah. So can you tell us about what you're working on now? Yeah, I feel like I've kind of got projects all over the place. Um, I wrote... Um, I wrote another book during COVID that is also historical and it's still kind of trying to find its home and I really love it. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with that one, Um, but it's, it's in Iowa again and has some little Easter egg characters um, pop up in it from other books, but it's, um, it's built around a factory um, uh, where they made feather duster. So it's built on a real factory. So that was really fun. Um, And then after that, I was like, what should I write now? And I decided to try my hand at a contemporary. So I actually wrote a contemporary novel that is also working on finding its home. And now I'm at the point of, well, what should I work on now? And so I have recently been writing a historical, I'm only like four chapters in. um, And it's got a little bit of a Romeo and Juliet meets You've Got Mel meets um, the Buffalo Zoo. I don't know. It's kind of a modgepodge of things. It's still, it's still finding its footing, but I'm really loving it so far. So more historicals and I'm kind of dabbling in some other genres and we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Oh, that's great. Um, what is it like jumping back? Like, have you ever written a contemporary before? Was that completely new to you? Um, so I sort of have, um, years ago before I ever thought about being published, I used to write like some like short contemporary stories for my kids just for fun. And so I dabbled in that, but never, never anything like publishable. A few years ago, I wrote one when one of my foster daughters left, I was, I just had a lot of grief and I didn't really like um, have anyone to share it with. I mean, my family, of course, but um, it was still sort of a lonely grief. And I, I actually wrote a novel in like three weeks and I didn't ever really do anything with it, but it was really therapeutic for me. Um, So I have that one. And so I had, kind of dabbled in it, but this is the first one that I wrote really like trying to, um, make it publishable where, you know, and so I'm, I'm hoping it'll come out. It was, you know, I think that it's different in a lot of ways than writing historical, but the heart of it is the same. It's still, I love characters. And so it's still character growth. It's still conflict. It's, um, it was different, but the same at the same time. And it was fun. It was really fun to jump into something different and just see if I could do it. It was a fun challenge. Yeah, I'm sure. I know we talked about this last time you were on, but I wondered if you could like give me a brief summary of how you started. Because I know that you did not ever really think you would be an author mm-hmm. before you yeah. um, started writing. So, But tell me about how that got started and Um, I just had another baby. We have a big family and I was feeling like I really wanted to be there for my kids, but I was feeling like I needed a creative outlet. And my husband was like, well, you read so much. Why don't you write a book? And so I, he gets all credit for me going, yeah, I'll give it a try. I really still didn't see it as something that would be publishable, but more of a, 
here's something that I could explore and try to learn a new talent and see if I could do this. And it ended up going a lot better than I had expected. And I, it was just sort of this awakening moment for this part of myself that probably always existed, but I hadn't kind of set free yet. And so I, um, and since then I really haven't stopped. Uh, so it just sort of, it just sort of happened. Um, and I've been really grateful for it because a lot of the books I've written, I've been through a lot of challenging times since I started writing and there's been, you know, like a lot of comfort in exploring these characters that go through hard things. Uh, so I think that it's been in many ways for me and hopefully for the readers as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and so that, like the first book you wrote, was that the first book you published also? No, um, I actually wrote one book um, really quickly um, about, it actually takes place in the, near in a town that's right by where I live. And it's a great little Victorian town, um, little boom town in the late mm. um, 1800s. Um, and I wrote it and I actually love that storyline. I'd love to go back and revisit it. But when I finished it, I realized I love writing. I don't know very much about the technical side of it. And so I wrote that. And then I had no idea that, you know, writing conferences or, or critique groups or any of that existed. And so I was very much on my own. And so I thought, well, how do I learn how to be a better writer? And so I pulled out all my favorite books and I read them again. And I asked myself, how did the author do it? Why is this my favorite book? How did she pace it? What did she, you know, like, how did they describe things? And I sort of like created, I guess, without really knowing it, a writing course for myself. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, now I'm going to try again. And so then I wrote another one, um, which became my debut. And after I finished it, I thought, I don't know what else to do to make it better. Like, I mean, obviously it wasn't perfect, but I didn't know personally what else to do to make it better. And I thought this, this is maybe the best I can do. What should I do with it now? Like, what's the next step? Do I just keep writing these? So I finally decided that it was time to tell someone that I had written a book. Um, up until then, only my family knew. And so I told someone that I, that was an author and I said, what do I do? And they said, well, you go, you query an agent, you know, if you, if you want to be traditionally published, query an agent. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> then I had to go home and, and Google, what does it mean to query an agent? Like, I really just had no, <laughs> no knowledge of the industry, no knowledge of anything. And so I wrote a query letter and I ended up getting a couple of requests for full manuscript reads and signed with an agent. And, and it was just, it just sort of, it just sort of happened, which I think, it's like, I enjoy my story because for me, it was very, um, like how it was supposed to happen. But I sometimes am leery of sharing it because it's not how it happens for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that maybe the difference is, is that some people, you know, like there's a lot of growth that comes from sticking with something for years and years. For me, I think, I personally think that God must have known that I was about to go through some real upheaval with um, foster care and things. And it was just this little gift that I needed right then to be something really, um, not that it kept me going, but something, just this little gift for this. These Almost like an escape. Or- yeah. Or just, you know, and just kind of a little blessing. But- and so, so it all went really smoothly for me, um, kind of abnormally um, smoothly, the whole publishing, finding a, finding an agent, finding a publisher. Um, but that doesn't, I mean, I think that there's purpose in the journey when it takes a long time too. So all anybody who's listening, that's a writer, like it doesn't have to work out like it did for me for it to be 
um, I mean, keep stick with it. Even if you love it, keep writing, you know? So. Right. Yeah. And it's not all about the publication and the career aspect of it. There's, um, so much to be gained from that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, I feel like I have, like, I've learned so much from diving into my stories, from my characters. I've learned so much and, and I would have learned that regardless of whether they were published or not. And, you know, like what is success? You know, if my, if my, I remember the first, my debut, when it came out, the very first email I got from someone I didn't know um, was someone saying that that storyline had helped her marriage. And I remember thinking if every other review is awful, like I have still done something significant. Um, So, so do you have to have a million books published to do something significant? I don't think so. You know, if it goes where it's supposed to go, then it's success. And so, Obviously, we want to do our best. Like, there's a lot to be learned from putting in a lot of effort as well. Right. But the rewards can come in a lot of different ways, and being open to that makes the whole makes the whole journey just so much fun. Yeah. So now the um, the writing course that you developed for yourself <laughs> by looking at your favorite books and everything yeah. did you develop that into a course that you now teach at conferences or no? I mean, I think that's a good idea if you haven't done it yet. Uh, no, I, I have never, I have never taught it. It was, I, I should, I should go back to it because it was really, for me, it was really helpful just to look at like how, you know, these books worked. The only thing I've ever actually taught at a conference um, was how to utilize the love languages when writing uh, relationships. And, ah. and that was really actually, I mean, that was kind of a turning point in my writing too, was to have this sort of epiphany that, so like, I don't know how long we have, but um, people would, people would say, oh, we have as long as we need. (laughs) People would say, you should read this book because it's so good. And I would read some books and I would really connect with them and love them. And then I would read other books that people were recommending and it just wouldn't work for me. And so I would kind of, I was asking myself like, why is that? Yeah. And what I, what I concluded was that the relationships in some of the books spoke my love language more. And so I understood them like they resonated as true Mm. to me. And some of these other ones that were maybe strictly physical or something didn't resonate with me. So then I was thinking about some of these classics that have really, really broad appeal that like everyone loves Beauty and the Beast, like Pride and Prejudice, like they like wasted time and everybody loves them. And so I was thinking about why do they, why do why do they have such universal appeal? And I was thinking about how it's because everybody has, can find something in there that resonates as true for them. You know, in Beauty and the Beast, you've got, you know, some people are like, oh my gosh, she gave her the library. And other people are like, they see the service or the time they're spending together, or maybe the physical touch as they're dancing, like gets their heart fluttering. Right. And so, yeah, um, I realized that with my books, if, as I'm writing them, if I'm getting a lot of feedback from beta readers, like, you know, if some people it's resonating with and other people are like, I'm not believing this relationship. Uh, if I go back and I try to incorporate like some of the other love languages, obviously it has to be in like a natural way. I can't force a character who would never give a gift to give a gift. Right. But like, if, if there's a way to show their love in a variety of these different love languages ways, it seems that when readers read it, I get more and more like a wider range of readers who go, Oh, I just love the romance. I just felt it, (laughs) you know? And I think it's because, Uh because there's different, they're, they're getting touched in the way that that means something to them. 
And usually you don't even have to change your storyline. You just go through and you go, wow, like you could even like tally market. You're like, man, all I've done is physical attraction. And people love to just add more physical attraction if they feel like the romance isn't working. Right. But if you go back to some of those scenes and you think, well, instead of having them have this conversation um, in person, what if I have him write it in a letter and then leave, you know, like something that would be that would show that he really knows her at her doorstep or something, you know? And so it's the same, the same um, progression and the relationship's going to happen, but I'm going to show it in different ways. And some reader that just is really connected to words is going to read that letter and go, Oh, like, I just love him. He just, you know, like in that scene, because I've tweaked it a little bit. And so anyways, that was, there's been a lot of like things where, as I've been writing I've learned new things. And that was one of the things that I learned that I think has really strengthened the like relationship side. And it doesn't always have to be a romantic relationship. Like even if you're trying to show the love between like a father and a son, the more times that you can mix how you're showing it, you're going to have more readers that find it believable to them. So anyways, that's the really abbreviated version of the class that I taught on um, incorporating the love languages. And I think I think, I mean, there's a million little tips, but I think it's one tip that can really help relationships if you're struggling to make it seem believable to your readers. Yeah, that's great. Um, So can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. What is your love language? So, well, I I think, I think that people like more than one thing. Like I would say I can appreciate all of them, especially the older I get. I am a service (laughs) And quality time person. I mean, those would be my most, I always struggle with insta uh, love stories because they're not like, I'm like, there wasn't enough time, you know? Um, and so, yeah, but, and so, and sometimes I think if you don't have a lot of time, cause some storylines don't per- permit a lot of time, then I think you just have to find a way to put a lot of life into a short amount of time, you know, like make it feel like it's really quality what they've got. Um, Right. But I can appreciate them all. And so I try really hard to hit as many as I can. And I always add in humor too, because I think there's something about, um, so I always joke that there's really six love languages um, in writing. And so if you can get a little bit of that witty banter Mm. or humor, uh, there's a lot of people who are going to feel a connection to that as well. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is a question I ask all my guests and I'm sure you answered it last time, but um, I want to hear your answer this time. Maybe it's changed now that you've written a contemporary manuscript. How do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present? I do think I answered this last time, but I don't remember what I said. So it'll probably be different. (laughs) Um, I just think that when we read stories and we realize that people throughout history have had the same range of emotions and the same feelings, it makes us remember that like not everyone you know, like as we're approaching 2022 and it feels like everybody feels one way or everybody feels this way, we realize that there's actually a whole lot of people who've seen life in a real variety of ways, you know, and that we're, they're part of us too. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it makes us feel less alone if maybe we see the world a little bit differently than than what's going on around us in 2022. Um, there's a connection to the past and, you know, we can feel less alone. We can go, Oh, like I resonate with how they felt or they chose to handle their struggles in this yeah. way. Um, 
you know, and plus, obviously, of course, we learn from the past. If we don't want to repeat the past, there's a lot of power in, in learning from it if it's a negative thing. But there's a lot of positive things from the past that I think if we read about, we can go, wow, those people were really committed to their marriages or they were this or that. Like, I could do that today, even if that's not popular, you know? Um, yes. So we can take good things from the past. We can kick out the bad things from the past and try not to repeat them. So I think that there's it's just a little bit of a guidebook. Um, why not learn? Like, I learned from the writers who had gone before me, why not learn from the people who've lived lives before us too, both positive and negative, right? Right. Because they haven't been here in 2022 before, but they've faced difficulties and all kinds of difficulties and, and yeah. a lot of the same difficulties that we face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that there's just, yeah, it just gives a, it's a whole body of a big, huge giant resource to, to rely on when we are going through something hard. Right. Sure. Or <laughs> celebrate with them too. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rachel, this has been a great conversation. What is the best way for listeners to follow you? Well, I have a website, rachelfordham.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and I try to keep it updated. Um, so any of those ways, I also have a newsletter. So however, I would love to be in touch. I really believe that one of the most rewarding parts of being a writer has been the connections that it's brought into my life. So I would love to connect with any of you. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, friends, I trust you enjoyed that conversation with Rachel Fordham. And I want to encourage you to check out the show notes. Um, if you can't find them in your podcatcher app, then go to alisontreat.com slash blog to find the show notes. And there you can get to Rachel's new book as well as her website and her social media accounts. Now, as usual, my friends, I want to leave you with a quote. This quote just made me think about what Rachel said about learning from those who've gone before us and that, you know, we really do learn from those who've gone before us, whether we realize it or not, I think. This comes from Charles Caleb Colton, who said, all the poets are indebted more or less to those who have gone before them. Even Homer's originality has been questioned, and Virgil owes almost as much to Theocritus in his pastorals, as to Homer in his heroics. And if our countryman Milton has soared above both Homer and Virgil, it is because he has stolen some feathers from their wings. So, my friends, keep reading historical fiction, and keep learning from those who've gone before us. I will talk to you again next week. 